Welcome to the Baby Tribe. I'm Katie Mugan from NursingMama.ie, a paediatric and public health nurse and a lactation consultant with over 20 years experience. And I'm Afif Al-Kafash, a neonatologist and paediatrician and a lactation consultant with over 20 years experience in newborn care. And together, we are your hosts. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Baby Tribe podcast. Now, I have Katie sitting right here beside me with a big smile on her face because I believe you have been nominated for an award, Katie, haven't you? I have a thief. I've been nominated for the uh, Breastfeeding Friendly Awards and I've been nominated in the category of the Social Media Influencer Award. So now, these these are the breastfeeding Oscars, aren't they? They are pretty much. But you you jumped in there now and you've gone even further ahead of that and you've been nominated for two. Well, I don't want to brag, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that I got two awards and you only got the one. So, it's a bit uh, like, you know, uh, uh, Laura, the Fabulous Pharmacist podcast where they did talk about overachieving. You oh, are yes. that person. Well, all I can say, Katie, is that it is a team effort now and we're in this together. So I'm delighted for you and I'm looking forward to spending another day with me. Another day with you. Exactly. Yeah. So your awards really, if you do win them. Are mine too. Yes. My achievements. Yes. And we will, we will, um, we will display them together and we can share. We All will right. share. Yeah. Excellent. So what are we talking about today? So we're going to talk about reflux. Um, this is the second part of our three part series on, I suppose, feeding issues or part to do with the, uh, a baby that is showing or displaying fussy symptoms and breaking it down. Yes. So today we're going to talk about reflux. It is a very topical issue at the moment. I see a lot of babies with symptoms that may or may not be secondary to reflux in my clinic. And I think it's important that we educate parents on to what reflux is, how it presents and what we can do to try and make it better. And I think it's important to distinguish between gastroesophageal reflux, which is a normal issue that happens in a lot of babies and gastroesophageal reflux disease. So Katie, tell us what is normal and complicated reflux. So I'm going to just talk about my part of what is normal, uncomplicated gastroesophageal reflux. And basically this is where babies can posit um, and regurge quite frequently um, their milk from the stomach up the food pipe. And this is in the absence of anything pathological um, or underlying. And basically I see it very frequently where you'll have a baby that can spit up numerous times a day. Sometimes it can be quite large amounts by the look of it. But actually, if you wait, like picked it up and actually looked at the volume, it's actually not that that much. And parents can get really upset and they can really, it causes a huge amount of anxiety and concern. But as I say to these parents, if your baby is gaining well, if they are happy and content and they're just frequent spitter uppers, then it's a laundry issue. And I would not be recommending or looking at any medications or altering feedings to uh, prevent these spit ups. So the term reflux, I think, just indicates the movement of milk from the stomach back up into the food yeah. pipe. And that is because usually the esophageal sphincter, which is a circular muscle that sits between the bottom of the food pipe and the top of the stomach, that normally should close once the milk goes into the stomach to prevent the milk from going back up the food pipe once the stomach begins to digest milk. That sphincter can sometimes be underdeveloped in babies yeah. and it can take a few months for it to reach normal function. And in the interim, what you find is that babies will vomit sometimes frequently and we notoriously overestimate the volume of that vomit. And I find parents coming to me really worried about babies that 
have normal reflux that are otherwise healthy and their main concern is are they keeping enough down and the telltale sign is well are they gaining weight and we spoke about the normal weight gain patterns in a previous episode and that would be the first thing I would check for I would check for is the baby gaining weight well and then is the baby otherwise happy so these are happy babies that vomit and the only downside of this condition is a lot of washing Um, And we don't recommend uh, prone positioning or elevating the end of the bed. It's not in line with reducing the risk of sudden infant death. So we don't recommend any more the increasing one end of the cot or the crib or even using blankets or pillows to to increase the uh, depth of the mattress. Yeah. And sometimes parents are concerned, is my baby going to choke with this condition? And by and large, the answer is no. No, it's all about positioning. If your baby's on their back, it's always we and it's recommended that your baby's head is turned to the side. So if they've spit ups, it will just basically come out the side of their mouth. So that is really important. When we talk about safe sleep practices, babies are at the in their cribs, feet to the end on their backs and their heads always to either one side or the other. It can nonetheless still be upsetting for parents to have their baby vomit all the time. So there are some things that you can do to try and yeah. minimize the amount of reflux. Um, if your baby is bottle feeding, Again, going back to small frequent feeds during the day can help with the digestion and can help with the transition of milk beyond the stomach. And that may reduce the incidence of reflux. Keeping the baby upright for up to 15 minutes after a feed can help. Tobacco smoke actually has been implicated in lowering the tone of that sphincter. So it may promote reflux. So if there's anybody smoking in the house, try and avoid doing it around the baby or stop altogether for your own health. You shouldn't stop breastfeeding. No. And one thing um, I notice and parents will state is that they will complain of babies positing an awful lot or spitting up or vomits during the day, but actually doesn't tend to happen at night and babies tend to feed really well. So if your baby is sound asleep in your arms and you're sitting there, I would say 10 to 15 minutes, you don't need to like put them back down. It always depends on the baby themselves. If you keep them up and they are out cold and symptom free, place them back down. So What is gastroesophageal reflux disease? In other words, when does gastroesophageal reflux become a problem? Well, it can become a problem if the level of acidity in the milk becomes excessive. And that can predispose the baby to something called esophagitis, where the lining of the food pipe becomes inflamed because of the excess acid coming back up the food pipe. Normally, these babies can be very irritable, and I will describe that pattern in a minute. But also you find babies may have nutritional compromise, meaning that they may not be gaining weight as well, despite the perception that they are overfeeding. They may also have some respiratory complications as well, such as excessive wheeziness, although the link between that and gastroesophageal reflux disease is still under debate. So this diseased condition is actually commoner in babies that are born preterm. If there is a family history of heartburn, babies are more likely to have gastroesophageal disease. And also, if infants have congenital conditions that require early surgery, such as a diaphragmatic hernia or a gastroesophageal fistula or an atresia. But these are conditions that parents will know about. And usually reflux is a recognized association with them. And they're usually being addressed by their healthcare providers. So we're focusing more on the healthy, well-term baby. We take a closer look at reflux if the symptoms associated with reflux include irritability that is usually more erratic in nature and is not really concentrated in the latter part of the day around the evening time. So unlike colic, irritability associated with reflux normally happens throughout the day. It can happen during episodes of vomiting, but sometimes can happen 
without any visible vomiting coming up because sometimes the milk can go up halfway up the food pipe and go back down. Babies can display symptoms like back arching. They can move the neck from side to side. And some babies may go into this excessive feeding cycle whereby they feed for a short period of time, they become irritable and that they want to feed again and that they become even more irritable. And I think the, the rationale or the reasoning behind that is when a baby starts feeding, the milk hits the stomach, the stomach begins to overproduce acid, it comes back up the food pipe, causes heartburn and irritability. The babies will want to then drink more milk to flush it down. And as a result, that promotes even more acid production and the babies go into this vicious cycle of excessive feeding. So that can be quite distressing for parents. And I think that is the time where we need to address the symptoms that come with gastroesophageal reflux. As always, there are some red flags that you need to watch out for that would prompt parents to seek help immediately if there's ever bile in the vomit or if the vomit is persistently projectile, if there is blood in the stool or mucus in the stool, then that would warrant um, an investigation as well. If the baby's lethargic, developing rashes, fevers, difficulty to feed, taking time to finish feeds, any of these worrying symptoms would prompt you to actually seek medical help. But if the baby's otherwise well and is just suffering from irritability associated with reflux, then there are ways to address it. So Katie, can you tell us about ways that we can manage reflux without the need for medication? Yes, well, I would definitely agree that medicines should not be the first line of uh, treatment, that we should always look at improving all other techniques first before we go down that route. So again, uh, we know that tobacco smoke um, can lower esophageal sphincter tone. So try to avoid being ex the baby being exposed to that at all times. For the bottle fed babies, this is a bit like we talked about the babies that were complaining of colic as well, that we look at the feeding uh, volume. So reducing the feeding size can impact and reduce these crying spells and the and the regurge as well. Increasing frequency of fees is much more effective than taking in larger volumes and going longer spells. I always equate it to a bit like if you've had Christmas dinner and you've taken a huge massive feed in and you are trying to digest it, then it can be very uncomfortable, but you will still go back in for your Christmas tea. So it's about making the symptoms a little uh, more palatable for babies to cope with. Never discourage breastfeeding. So we have to follow the baby's cues when it comes to breastfeeding. And this is obviously if babies showing cues, if they're um, sometimes even looking for comfort, um, allowing baby back to the breast. Now, there are some occasions where you can find where a mom has a very large milk supply and the baby just wants to go on for comfort. But actually, every time they go to the breast, the milk starts coming. In those situations, some mothers may consider using soothers or a different form of comforting um, that may help them in that situation. There is an occasion that we have trialled everything else. So particularly for the breastfed infant, it's about making sure that there's been a full assessment linked in with an IBCLC, doing an oral assessment. Obviously, if we've got in a tongue tie and it is impacting their feeding session and they are taking in large volumes of air and they're uncoordinated with regards to their feeding transfer of milk then it will be warranted to have a review and assessment with a tongue tie practitioner and then let them make the decision with yourselves with regards to the best course of action. The last kind of thing that I would look at with regards to a breastfed infant is a trial of a, res a restriction diet. And what we call it is an elimination diet where the mother will remove all elements of cow's milk protein from their diet 
and allow up to three weeks to see the benefit. Now, generally speaking, you will see an improvement within the first, generally the first five to seven days, and it can improve after that even more so. It can be very restrictive. It is not something that we should jump in at all cost. We should look at all other things before we go down this route because it can be so restrictive for the mother. This is when we are talking about more of possible cow's milk protein intolerance uh, that is, or an allergy that is impacting the baby and leading to more of these uh, gastroesophageal reflux symptoms. We try to avoid, minimise kind of car seat positioning. So if they're in the car seats for prolonged periods of time or if they are in buggies or seated positions for quite a while, then it doesn't help with the digestive uh, system. Uh, we still don't recommend any prone positioning, so no on their tummies because obviously it increases the risk of SIDS and we don't raise the bed. Um, for me, I still will recommend, and I know um, Afif may not agree, but body work can work very well in these infants. And as I always say, there may be no uh, research to confirm the findings, but anecdotally, we do see an improvement in this. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And just to say that we will be discussing camel protein intolerance or allergy in our next episode where we talk about it in a little bit more in depth. I've heard often advice suggesting that mums should reduce the intake of processed sugar if they are breastfeeding, because that might actually make the baby more gassy and make the baby more predisposed to reflux symptoms. Is there any truth behind that? I haven't seen any literature on it and I, I would never tell a parent to change anything within their diet unless I've seen the literature to support it. So this is one that I would definitely say I haven't seen any benefit towards. And I think restricting a mother's diet is only therefore going to increase the risk of reducing a mother's longevity with regards to breastfeeding. Yeah, I think that's very sensible advice. And I have to say myself, when I did a literature search on that topic, I couldn't actually find anything to back up that recommendation. The only one other thing that I, w- I would say about the the infant uh, with esophageal reflux symptoms would be sometimes the use of a probiotic. Now, I know you're going to talk about this anyway later on, but it can actually, and we do see a benefit in these infants. Yeah, because of the overlap between the symptoms of colic and, and um, gastroesophageal reflux, sometimes a probiotic, and I emphasize that is really a probiotic that should be containing lactobacillus ruteri is the one that might be of benefit to babies like that. And I certainly would trial that along with the fantastic recommendations that Katie made before moving on to other more definitive interventions for um, gastroesophageal reflux disease. And these really are thickeners and medication. I'd like to start with thickeners and I generally do not recommend the frequent use of thickeners in infants with gastroesophageal reflux symptoms. And similarly, antacids like Gaviscon, I wouldn't personally recommend them for routine use in babies with reflux. The efficacy of Gaviscon is questionable. It can be recommended for both breastfed and bottle-fed babies. I know from personal experience, we found it nearly impossible to give Gaviscon to our breastfed kids early on. It was nearly impossible to get it into them. It created a lot of problems and babies that use Gaviscon can become constipated. And there has been a link with um, reduced calcium absorption in babies that use Gaviscon regularly. I think I think you've said it all there in that very short piece. 
Gaviscon, I just still can't understand why it's used so often. It's particularly, I suppose, more with the breastfed infant because it is impossible to get it, get it into them. And when you do get it into them and it, take, it can take quite a bit of time, then you've got the other side of the constipation. So it's one that I'm I'm not all for. Another approach that I don't usually recommend is the use of the anti-reflux thickened formulas as well. Again, they may give you some temporary relief, but it's usually not long lasting and they may cause constipation in babies. They are very thick. Sometimes babies can find them really hard to digest and tolerate. And a word of caution that if you are also on anti-reflux medication, you should not be on a pre-thickened formula as well because the thickening agent does not work well or it can inactivate the therapeutic effect of the anti-reflux meds. So I often see babies coming to me on Losec, one of the medications used for treating babies with reflux, but they're also on a thickener as well. And they lose the effect of the proton pump inhibitor when they're on a thickener. So I wouldn't recommend using them together. And this is one that really isn't known. Like I, I see it time and time again, like you've said, they're using both and actually they just nearly work each other out. There are some thickening agents that may be recommended in certain situations, but I would not advocate using them without advice from a healthcare provider. And like we said before, the pre-thickened formulas, one of the big reasons that we're not we don't particularly like them is the way they're made up. They're made up with bo previously boiled water. It's now cold. So obviously the risk of the formula being contaminated is still present. So if you are going down the route or if you have been advised to use a thickening agent, it is better to stay on your stage one formula and then adding, adding a thickening agent to the formula that you're using at present. So finally, I'd like to briefly mention some of the medications that we use to try and help babies with reflux. And these are medications like ranitidine and Losec. So ranitidine, I generally do not advise using in babies with reflux. There has been several safety recalls on the medication recently. It also requires three times a day dosing and they tend to lose their efficacy with prolonged use. So it's not something that I would recommend starting a baby on. If a baby really needs um, medication for reflux, and I would only do that under close advice and supervision from a healthcare provider, I would recommend a short course of LOSEC. LOSEC is a proton pump inhibitor. It can reduce the level of acidity in the stomach. There are no studies showing them to be definitely beneficial in infants with reflux, and there are some studies demonstrating that there may be some side effects associated with use. Why am I raising these issues here? I think it's important to acknowledge that all medications come with a risk-benefit ratio, meaning that you have to weigh the risks against the potential benefits. And I would only recommend starting a baby on a proton pump inhibitor such as LOSEC when there are clear indications that the benefits far outweigh the risks. I will be talking about some of the interpretations of the risk in my nerdy segment coming up shortly. But suffice to say that I would only advocate or recommend using these medications over a very short period of time to try and get control over significant symptoms. And I would always offer a review appointment to make sure that the babies are responding to treatments, because if they are not responding to treatment, it is important to discontinue the medication and look for other causes. What do you think, Katie? This is really important because I see babies, even as a public health nurse, I was seeing them coming in and they still remained 
on the medication, even though they didn't find it was doing anything, but they were nearly afraid to come back off it, which I completely understand with parents. But I think that comes down to the healthcare provider that has initially prescribed that there should be, like you said, a follow up appointment and realistically reassessing, reevaluating. And then if it's not making any major um, improvement in the symptoms, then the baby should be uh, removed off. Yeah, absolutely. So this was our brief roundup of babies with gastroesophageal reflux, I suppose, to re-emphasize because we're doing this as part of a three-part series. There are some differences between the symptoms of a baby with colic versus a baby with reflux. The symptoms of colic are usually more concentrated in the afternoon or or in the evening time. They last for about a few hours and then they subside. They're not generally related to feeding. Whereas reflux, the symptoms of irritability and crying can be associated with feeding. They usually happen throughout the day and there is no pattern associated with babies that are displaying signs associated with reflux. However, it's important to acknowledge that there could be significant overlap between the two conditions. And that's why it's important for parents to seek help if they are unsure or if they are concerned. And I think it's just really important to remember that if your baby is happy, content, growing and thriving, yet they spew up and there's no other indications um, present, then there is no need for medications or anything else. Maybe look at your feeding techniques to improve the situation. That's a lovely way to end this current segment. And before we move on, a quick word from our sponsors. When choosing your antenatal care journey, you need a team that you can trust. Here at Evie, we offer personalised, multidisciplinary care in a state-of-the-art environment, ranging from consultant care, high-end scanning and prenatal testing, to expert advice on diet, exercise and mental health. Our team of world-class consultants in obstetrics, gynaecology and paediatrics provide the highest standards of care for you and your baby. Contact us today on 01 293 3984 or visit our website at evie.ie for more information. Evie, a game changer in antenatal care. And here we go again, Afif, back on for your nerdy segment of the week. Great. What I want to talk about today actually is a continuation of our discussion on, on reflux and the medication used for reflux. There's been a recent Irish study demonstrating a significant increase in the amount of anti-reflux medications that have been prescribed in Ireland, they've almost doubled in about a 10-year period. And I think that is a very significant increase. And I am not sure whether this is related to either an increased recognition of the, the disease or other factors associated with, I suppose, our perceptions of how babies should behave over the early newborn period. The other thing I wanted to briefly mention in this segment are the side effects associated with the use of medications that are used to treat reflux. So we often hear that medications like LOSEC are associated with issues with bone health. So there is this theoretical concern that there is a reduction in calcium absorption uh, from the gut in babies that are also on LOSEC, and it may predispose babies to fractures later on in their childhood. It can also be associated with gastroenteritis and also respiratory tract infections and may have an impact on allergy as well. So it sounds like there's a lot of side effects associated with the use of these medications. And I'd like to say two things about it. It's always important to recognize that 
any medication is associated with side effects, but it's important to put that in context as well and weigh up the benefits compared to the risks of putting a baby on medication. So for example, if you dig deep into the risk of bone fractures associated with the use of proton pump inhibitors, um, a recent study has actually shown that the baseline risk of fractures in babies, meaning that all children are at risk of developing fractures later on in their childhood. The risk is around 21 fractures per 1,000 person years. So if you compare children that had anti-reflux medications during their early childhood to children that never had this medication, you see that the risk increases from 21 per 1,000 person years to 24 per 1,000 person years. So the risk is small at baseline and it remains small, albeit slightly bigger or higher in babies that take these medications. And also, if you look at the group of babies that usually take anti-reflux medication, you'll find that there's a higher proportion of babies that are born preterm and a higher proportion of children that are overweight. And we know that the risk of fractures is actually higher independently in these subgroups. So it's hard to make a definitive cause and effect relationship. So I just wanted to emphasize that sometimes Things can be associations rather than a cause and effect, but it's always important to be mindful of these um, side effects. And in my practice, I always prescribe a very short course of these medications and advise parents to come off it as soon as the symptoms improve or as soon as we know the natural history of reflux improving, which is in and around the time they wean onto solid foods. Normally reflux naturally improves at this stage and the esophageal sphincter, that circular muscle separating the food pipe and the stomach begins to function normally beyond six months of age. So again, the final thing I'd like to say to parents is that reflux is usually a transient issue. A lot of babies will improve over the first six months of age and most babies are free of reflux by a year of age. That's brilliant, Afif. And I was listening in this time because I was caught on the last, was it last month that I was caught? I wasn't actually listening to you while you were doing your nerdy segment. So now I'm interested in everything you have to say. Yes, I did notice occasionally you being on the phone, checking your WhatsApp and your Instagram while I was doing my... Not this time. Not this time, though. Absolutely. No, I was a bit vacant on, on a previous episode. So moving on, we are going to address some questions from our listeners. So Katie, this one is for you. One of the questions we keep getting, especially in relation to reflux, is I have a mother here saying that, um, and this is a question that's been asked by a lot of parents, my baby spits up after almost every feed. He's on the normal formula, number one. And I'm wondering, should I move to a thickened formula? Great question. So no, it is very normal, as we said before, for all babies to spit up after feeds. Um, and this is partly due to an immature sphincter muscle, which we know does mature in around the six month stage. It is also down to babies lying flat on their backs for prolonged periods of time. So the possibility of regurge is even higher. But no, keep your baby on the same stage one feed. If they are happy, content, and they are gaining weight with good wet and dirty nappy outputs, then this sounds very good. If it is the case, that your baby's taking in large volumes of feed and going longer spells between them, then maybe consider uh, reducing down the volume and feeding more frequent. Just watch that the bottle that you're using, maybe in how you prepare the bottles, avoiding the formula prep machines can bring in an awful lot of air um, into the bottles and they are not recommended by the HSE or the Food Safety Authority of Ireland because there isn't enough um, literature and uh, research on them. 
But if you are using them at home that and you have a baby that is complaining of reflux symptoms, they can bring in an awful lot more air into the feeds. Look at how your bottle prep is important and then how you're feeding. Look at more pace feeding or the elevated side lying and realistically just get more bibs and protect your baby's clothes a little bit more. But it is just a laundry issue if they're happy and content. We don't recommend changing any formulas. Great answer to this question. And this brings us to the end of this episode. But before we go, have you thought about what outfit you're going to wear for the breastfeeding Oscars? God, I haven't even thought about it. What about you, Afif? I think we need to coordinate. <laughs> Pink. I think a shopping a shopping trip is in order. <laughs> Who's buying? Um, fine, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> there you go. So thank you very much for listening. Next week, we will be talking about cow milk protein allergy. So looking forward to that. See you next week. See you next Tuesday, Afif.